Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays or SGPs as the kids like to call them all on one page plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win so download the app today and bet with FanDuel America's number one sportsbook the ringer is committed to responsible gaming please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details must be 21 plus 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. Welcome on in to episode 154 of The Full Go podcast. I am Jason Goff, alongside my uh, trusted production partner, Tony Gill. Ladies and gentlemen, is the voice that you'll be hearing. I got Jesse Lopez. He got he got yanked up to the minor, you know, I should say the major leagues. I, I almost, I, almost threw a, a stray. And my man John Yastrzemski in New York, New York pod. So Jesse is working on the New York, New York pod this evening. So it'll be me and Tony on this uh, this this you know combo flight. Uh, Tony, I was I was moving and grooving today. You know, had a chance to go uh, over on. Lakeshore Drive, a little uh, a little area out there. What was it the Lakeshore Drive restaurant or whatever? The big old field house that uh, Channel Seven usually has their uh, New Year's Eve special in. Tonight was a um, a fundraiser for uh, the Chicago Children's Advocacy Center uh, for kids who have been the victim of sexual abuse in this city. A bunch of people who take care of these kids. Uh, my fiance's mom 
who late mom who used to work there for 20 some odd years was honored like a week ago so we got a chance to go out this uh, this evening and um raise some money uh donate some money and be around a bunch of really really good people and and thankfully for me I um, did not get asked any sports questions. Usually, if I'm in a large group of people, people want to know what's going on with every single team here in the city. And it kind of let me know where we're at right now as a city. Uh, I saw a tweet that got thrown out there. I forget by which platform. And I'm not out here just stealing your shit if, you, if you're listening. But, but it was uh, something to the effect of, you know, who's got the brightest future or who's in the best position right now in terms of Chicago sports teams, right? And I was like, uh I don't, uh, I don't know who that, who that is. And we're only days away from media day uh, for the Chicago Bulls coming up what, next Monday. And now we've got this injury news of Lonzo Ball and another surgery, a debridement surgery. It's going to be four to six weeks until he's even evaluated or reevaluated, I should say, um, for all the things that are going on right now and how sports are supposed to drop you into like your little pockets. It's supposed to be uh, for anybody out there. If you look at the sports calendar, there's supposed to be a rhythm to this. Like the baseball season is supposed to drop you comfortably into the football season. And the football season obviously takes over and in the background for a lot of people, the basketball season happens, but you're supposed to be having fun throughout all these, right? Like pretend you live in Boston, right? Where, where the Red Sox are doing well. And then all of a sudden the, Patriots are, you know, still being led by Tom Brady, and then they drop you off with the Celtics and the Bruins. Right now, you you don't want to be dropped off in that Celtics thing at all. Right now, um, we, we'll we'll get into what the hell is going on in Beantown right now. But you're supposed to get dropped off by each season into the next season if everything works out the way you'd like it to work out for your local heroes well guess what this hasn't happened for a minute here in this city where uh, a team has dropped you off comfortably it's like it's like getting that transfer back in the day right i don't even know how much a transfer costs nowadays on the cta but back in the day what is what two bucks two dollars and fifteen cents boy am i showing my age in this moment but you know you'd be like oh i'm gonna ride this bitch all day i can i can start from the north side and up on the south side come all the way back like it's not a problem these teams ain't doing that for me like <laughs> the the white Sox could have let me off the bus probably about eight nine stops ago but you mess around i messed around and fell asleep have you ever fallen asleep on a on, on a on a public transportation oh Tell yeah me. man all, all the time i used to do it quite often oh, all my God. all the time like when uh <laughs> when i was working part-time at uh the score um, I still had to work another part-time job, and I was still in school. So there were, like, days, consecutive days where I didn't leave the South Loop. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I'm, you know, I'm I'm taking the whole baths and, and coming. I was about to say, get your little whole baths. And brushing my teeth. <laughs> like, it was a grind, man, those days. So, man, I was the known sleeper of public places. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You had to catch some Z's somewhere if you're going, you know, recharge and get back to giving the people the content that they want, the content that they need. I could dig that. I, I Dude, I used to fall asleep. Man, I used to take the number four Cottage Grove bus. Uh, when I moved to High Park, mm-hmm. I used to take the number four from 53rd and Drexel or 53rd and Cottage all the way up to 
the NBC Towers and, you know, wherever the hell we were working at the time, Prudential Plaza as mm-hmm. well. But, boy, it is uh, quite the thing to see what has come from south of 53rd Street <laughs> and what's getting off before you get downtown, boy. And, yeah. and, and, and it's completely male, male privilege, right? Male privilege. Like, oh. women will oh. definitely not fall asleep in, in public transportation. That if, is super male if, privilege. If, if you see that happening, you like you pray for that young lady because she has had a long ass day where mm-hmm. she does not care about what happens around or you know in her vicinity on the bus. Like I've I've been awakened to, and the reason why I just thought of this just now, I've been awakened to uh, a homeless person, and I don't know is that the politically correct term? Unhoused. I apologize. Uh, yes, um, roof challenged, I guess, and unhoused and. And I've I've been awakened to a, a person crumbling paper like under my slumped you know head while I'm trying to catch some Z's, and I woke up to a full bus of people with no one doing anything, and like I'm like wait a minute, so y'all just gonna let this happen to her? Like help happen to her? Well, me I should say because nothing happened to her, but like y'all just gonna let this happen to me? Like y'all y'all don't know that I'm about to end up hosting pre and post game shows? Like take care of you boy in this moment right but that's what this that's what these teams have done they have failed to drop us off to our next destination without falling asleep or fearing for our lives and now that i'm done with this white Sox thing by the way <laughs> you want to talk about a way to go out <laughs> how, how about you start this thing off on tuesday like yeah you sweep and then it's up for grabs. We out here. The Cleveland Guardians won't know what hit them. Stephen Kwan who? You know, I met Rosario who? Them boys came to your crib and kicked the shit out of you three straight games. True colors, man. True colors. <laughs> Hey, shout out to Lance Lynn. Lance, I love it when players sum it up for you. What Lance Lynn say? Hey, you shouldn't be surprised. We play like shit all year long. <laughs> like, I'm past getting mad at this team. I'm at the point now where, thank you. Like, I appreciate you. Like, it's like it's like being let let go from a house party that, that, that you've been at too long. And you're looking at your, your, you know, your significant other like, hey, uh, I don't want to say we should go, but why are we still here, right? Like, what are we doing here? I'm listening to my man Jason Benetti and Connor McKnight on the call tonight where they're like, you know, yeah, I'm saying it's improbable, but if the comeback starts now, you're still around by the by, by the time. By the time Time yes, money ground doll is grounding out to second base. It's like, all right, guys, sorry. You know, it's, it's as if Jason Benetti was like, hey, y'all, sorry. My, my bad, y'all. I have I have carried on this charade for long enough. Like, enjoy these last 11, 10 games, whatever the hell we got left. You know, who knows who you'll see out there? Like, they they, they spit the bit in such epic proportions that tonight was like okay i got it tonight was like the seltzer water in the face like oh okay cool like this is a part of it all right i get to get to be wacky at the end here you got swept when you were supposed to be sweeping somebody like 
That's all you need to know about what the hell's going on with the Chicago White Sox right now. I can't wait till this season is over so we can find out that only Tony La Russa won't be back. Like, <laughs> I, I can't wait till we, till we find out minimal changes have been made. When I say minimal changes, the changes should have never been made in the first place. But they failed to drop us off in our next destination, which is Chicago Bears football. And we'll get to Chicago Bulls basketball. But – Y'all messed around and made Justin Fields come out here and apologize. Like, and shout out to Dan Weederer who who summed it up nicely. Like, thank you, but it didn't need to happen. And for, you know, the Justin Fields thing, I wonder how much of it was real people. Like, there are certain things that pop up where it's like, oh, okay, this is a social media thing, right? Like, there'll be things that pop up and it's in our community. I'm like, oh, let me let me go ahead and check with the four or five black people that I trust on this <laughs> one. They're like, are you upset about this? Oh, okay, cool. I'm just making sure. Like, certain things live online and you're like, all right, does, does anybody talking about this outside of my cell phone? Like, the whole Justin Fields thing, to me, with him saying that he cares more than the fans or some, you know, amalgamation of those thoughts thrown together after a post-game uh, loss to the Green Bay Packers. Like, I didn't find anyone who was running around caring about that in real life. Now, let, mind you, sports radio isn't real life either. Like, uh, I, we used to always try to drill it in our heads, and this is probably just for our own ego's sake, but, you know, only only 11% of the people who actually listen call. So there's another 89% or whatever the case may be who are just listening. And, yeah, man, I didn't, I didn't run into anybody who was like, you know what really burns my my biscuits the fact that Justin Fields doesn't think I care as a fan so that being said y'all made this man come out here and apologize like what and on top of it Justin threw some of his sauce on it like hey by the way I don't or didn't want to be talking to y'all at all so you know shout out to the fans didn't mean to disrespect y'all but I'm here to tell y'all that I didn't want to be talking to y'all like, I need Justin to uh, be a little bit better at quarterbacking before he throws himself out to the Lions like that. But I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Why is this man apologizing, though? Like, why Why are we at this stage? This is too early in the season. It's too early in this man's career. Like, let him be bad or good first before I even give a damn about his apology to fans. Time for some commercials. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. The Bears can't lose this game. Can they, Tony? Because this, mm-hmm. th- like, this, this, is, this is a team as bad as they are, and I, if, if Davis Mills is out here handing you L's, then, and especially after the game that Roquan Smith had, yeah, if that defense comes out and, and allows whoever the hell they got back there, whether it be Damian Pierce or, you know, shout out to Brandon Cooks. He's still a good player, but that defense can't allow the Houston Texans to score more than, what, 17 points at best. And, and if you can't scrape together 19-20, then this is the same problem Matt Nagy had last year and a half, two years. Like, there's no way in hell the Bears are losing to the Texans, right? Yeah, no. No, I mean, okay. Like it, it, sure. Justin Fields alone should be motivated to make sure that he doesn't lose to Miles Davis, Davis, whatever a man's <laughs> name is. Like, yeah, he gave Ryan Poles a game ball. That don't mean he will have you up out of here, boy. So yeah, <laughs> you yeah, need to go yeah. go ahead and handle that one. 
Be careful. Yeah, be careful. It's uh, it's it's man. It's just gonna be such a bad football game to watch, though. Like oh, yeah. I need, I need, like I need something. I, I need some. I need some juice back in my sports, man. Like Red that's Zone, man, to the two screen experience is is the optimal way to enjoy football when your football team is trash. Red, keep Red Zone on the main channel, and then keep the Bears muted on on the side TV or on your laptop. Nah, but you know, I need my my full Bears experience that I've had for the last you know three decades come on it's 2022 jay come on what are we doing here what are we talking about i'm 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 all i'm gonna be i'm gonna be the old guy that i was when i was 20 something years old i just been you know all i've been doing is landing the plane on this oldness like i still got hotmail like there's a whole bunch of shit that, that my life will never ever change from just because i'm setting my old man ways and it's been that way since i was 17 18 years old I have to consume Bears games in a certain way. I have to. And it has to be all focused on whatever that badness is. And, you know, there have been games that I have had early departures from, whether it be, you know, all right, it might be time for a nap or it might be a little afternoon delight, you know, special kind of setup there where you're like, all right, this game's over. You know, you got five minutes and I got the time. Let's figure this thing out. But I got to have that being the only um, thing that is going, the only target for my ire, you know, the only landing spot for my happiness. And there aren't going to be many times this season where I think I'm going to be happy at the end of a Bears game. I think this is one of them. I think this is one of them. What, what's the what's the spread on tonight's? Oh, well, tonight's. What's the spread on Sunday Sunday's game against the uh, the Houston Texans? As I take a look at my uh, FanDuel Sportsbook app, because I. I, you thought I was happy with my pick against the Green Bay Packers on the money line. Yeah, whatever this thing is against this Houston Texans team, I think I'm going with it, man. Because, one, they can't score. Like, the, the Houston Texans have played decent enough football the last couple of weeks, but I don't think they're going to be able to score. And on top of it, if you're the Chicago Bears, and especially that Bears defense, everything that was said about you after week one and everything that guys like Jalen Johnson and some of the people on that defense like were pounding their chest about after week one, you got to prove that it wasn't a fluke and it wasn't the weather and all this other shit that people are saying about Trey Lance and how the 49ers now finally have their quarterback in tow. Like, you got to – you got to make sure that the last thing that you put on tape was the fluke and not the thing that you put first on tape, which is the defensive performance against the 49ers. So I think this defense will be motivated. Uh, they are a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home, which is pretty much all you get for being at home. So the people in Vegas, the odds makers, the experts, they believe that this is a pretty much a straight-up game. I like the Bears in this game, though. I like the Bears to go 2-1 and one in a season that probably will only have three or four more wins. And I like the Bears to try to figure out what their identity is. This guard rotation, I hope it's over. Lucas Patrick started taking snaps at center because uh, he got the, you know, the, 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 the cast or whatever the hell that is off of his hand. So now he's snapping the ball. Sam Mustafer uh, is still, you know, being thrown into the, the metaverse by Kenny Clark. So whenever he returns, maybe he'll get that gig back. But whatever they're going to do, I need these rotations on the offensive line to cease so we can figure out who the best five are and roll with it. And 
now that we figured out that David Montgomery isn't going to have any issues with this new offense, especially after what we saw against the Green Bay Packers. Now, mind you, the Green Bay Packers stayed and seemingly want to stay in sub package as much as possible. So they want to have at least five defensive backs out on the field because that, that's the unit that they feel is strongest, especially with the penetration that guys like Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary can get, as you saw in week two against the Bears. The way the the Texans are going to play this thing, and you'll hear from Jonathan Alexander from the Houston Chronicle, but the way the Texans are going to play this thing is the way Lovey Smith always plays it, which is we're going to rush four and drop seven and make you make a mistake. And this is why I think this is such an important game because Justin Fields' patience will be tested. Uh, The stuff that he sees in practice is what he's going to see in the game. And however he's performing in practice, I think is how we're going to see him perform in this game. That defense has some talented players on it. And the guy that I'll be looking forward to watching uh, is the, the corner out of LSU and Derek Stingley. This is a dude who I think could have went pro, you know, hell, after his freshman year if it was allowed uh, in, in college football. So, you know, he's, he's had an up-and-down start to his NFL career, coming off some injuries from the preseason. But – This is a guy who, if Darnell Mooney is lined up against him and you have enough protection, I think you can, you know, show the young man some things. And I also think he's going to make some breaks on some plays as well. So he's going to take his chances. But I think that'll be the matchup. Darnell Mooney, for everything that we've talked about, not only in this offseason, but especially in these first two games, he's aware of it too. You know, whatever whatever the case may be, if he's not open or if they're not scheming him open, this has to be the game where Darnell Mooney – decides to be a factor in the the outcome like you know, was it three catches or something like that in the first two weeks that's not going to get it done especially on a team where you, you're bereft of talent on the perimeter I did not think that Dante Pettis and Equinemius St. Brown and, and guys like that would be as big a part of this offense as they have been or have been forced to be because of the lack of production from Darnell Mooney So whatever the cornerback situation is for the Houston Texans, whether it's Stingley or somebody else lined up over him, I need to see Donnell Mooney have a big game no matter what. And to have that big game, you're going to have to pass the ball more than 11 times. Like Luke Getze, from what he showed me in the preseason to what we've seen in this first two weeks, now if you want to throw out that first week, fine. All I got then really to evaluate is the tape that I saw against the Green Bay Packers. And after that first drive, for the next 54 minutes of of football, the Bears scored three points. The Bears scored three. I don't care how well you're running the ball. I don't care what you think you're doing to protect your quarterback. They're not scoring. So Luke Getze, for all the talk that we talked about, oh, well, you know, there's going to be another offensive coordinator for Justin Fields soon because if he can do what we saw in the preseason for the duration of this season, somebody's going to offer him a job because of what the Bears don't have on offense. Not only do the Bears not look good on offense because they don't have the raw talent, they don't look good because it doesn't seem like the Luke Getze stuff that we were promised in terms of scheming things open and, and, and you know, making this thing look multiple and different than it looked last year and especially at the quarterback position changing that you know launch platform rolling him out and 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 getting him out on the perimeter all those things that we were promised and we thought we would see just simply haven't come to fruition these first couple of weeks now if I'm forced to throw out that first week's tape then all I got is this Green Bay game this has to be the this is why you brought Luke Getzey in game 
for, and and uh, it might be too early for that to be said, but guess what? This offense is the only reason we're truly here this year, and especially when it comes to number one. Justin Fields does not have enough talent around him, but there's a way still to evaluate him. You just got to do it with more than 11 pass attempts. And for all the people who, you know, have talked about the poise in the pocket that he does or does not have, I mean, it's, it's, it, it can't both be um, the, the greatest team game ever played and also all on him at the same time. Now, mind you, I, I don't think Justin Fields has played particularly well this season, but it's something like 48% of his true dropbacks he's been pressured on. And we're talking about him holding the football for the third longest amount of time in all of the National Football League for the people who qualify uh, for the amount of pass attempts. So if I'm really looking at that equation, I'm saying to myself, all right, he's holding the ball maybe because people aren't getting open. And while he's holding the ball, he's being pressured. So what what is really happening here? Do the, Do they have to? Uh, extend the line of scrimmage a little bit and keep a tight end in the block? Does Cole Komet have to be more of a chipper and a blocker to, to slow down pass rushes? Uh, do they have to go with more counters and more misdirection to slow down what are a pretty aggressive defenses on a, a second-year quarterback and a first-year play caller in Luke Getze? Like, these are the things that they're going to have to manage, but this is all a part of the evaluation process. Do I think the Bears are more talented than the Houston Texans? Yeah, I do. But am I as as confident that this offense can put up at least 20, 21 points? I'm not. I, I, frankly, I'm not. And that's why the onus and the pressure is squarely where it should be. It's not only on Justin Fields, but it's on Darnell Mooney. You know, it, it, it's on Braxton Jones. <laughs> it's on Luke Getze. It's on that offensive line. Like, I need to see something against this Houston Texans team, and I need to see something against a, a Lovey Smith coach defense that you know is going to be trying to take away the ball. So this is, you know, this might be another one of those games on the schedule that looks really crummy and might end up being an entertaining game, but Bears got to come out of here with a win, and not only a win, they got to look good on offense. They, I, I have to see some kind of strides taken by this offense, especially against an opponent who I think is ripe for the picking. So I got the Bears in this one. Uh, I got the Bears by at least a touchdown. So I got them covering that spread. Uh, they got to run. And thank you, Tony, for putting this in the chat. But 41 offensive snaps ain't going to do it. It's not going to do it. Your defense is out on the field far too long. They got to get off the field as well. Roquan Smith has got to play better. That interior, that defensive line, I understand that they're getting up the field and getting pushed, but they also got to stop the run. The way that A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones ran the football cannot happen with Damian Pierce and Rex Burkhead. It can't. It just simply can't. Damian Pierce is one of those dudes who a lot of fantasy owners knew the name of this year because he not only was going to get most of the touches, but what he did in the preseason. This is a rugged runner. This is a dude who is going to lean forward and get you extra yards. So this is, you know, this is one of those things where skill meets will and ain't a lot of skill on this field. So so who's got the most will? Lovey Smith, by the way, um, it's crazy that he's been gone from the Chicago Bears for this long. And to me, he still sits in the top, not only top five, but top three in, in Chicago Bears head coaching history. Um, this thing hasn't been right since Lovey left. And Lovey hasn't been here for a very, very long time. 
And we've seen a lot of people come and go, the Mark Trestmans of the world and the Matt Nagy's of the world and who's who's my man, um uh the the old the old cat John Fox. John Fox. Yeah, John Fox. I just got a chance to watch Mitchell Trubisky tonight. Like the same way that, that Justin Fields has been treating these first two games was how John Fox was treating Mitchell Trubisky in his first couple of starts where it's like, hey man, we're just gonna sit you over here in the kitty at the kitty table. Uh, you don't throw the football ever. Uh, you hand it off with precision, and maybe, just maybe, we'll toss you a, a play-action bone every once in a while. Like, there have been so many coaches who haven't gotten this thing right since Lovey Smith and his uh, eventful, was it, it was a 10 and 6 season where they didn't make the playoffs and it was time for Lovey to go. Like, this franchise has been mired in mediocrity. Some interesting times, right, with the, the heights of whatever the Mark Tressman era was before – Barbecue restaurants started getting opened and, and, and people started fighting in locker rooms and all kinds of wild shit was happening. And then you you go forward and you, you try to balance it out with a, a old, you know, veteran coach who's going to do the football-y, footballing 10 things like John Fox did. And then you go get Matt Nagy. Like, this this thing has been a wild ride that is that has absolutely yielded no fruit. <laughs> like, all we've been doing is just watching bad football for a while since Lovey Smith has, has left. And Lovey Smith hasn't gone on to great success at any of his stops, right? I didn't think the Illinois thing was going to be some turnaround story. Yeah, I thought they were going to do exactly what Lovey Smith did. Graduated some kids, you know, churned out a couple of pros and got their ass beat on a Saturday to Saturday basis. Like, that's what that's what I thought was going to happen, and that's what happened. And now with the Deshaun Watson, well, the aftermath of the Deshaun Watson situation, they went out and said, hey, we need a, a franchise kind of level setter, somebody who's going to, you know, instill some kind of culture and foundation. Bring in Lovey Smith. So glad Lovey's getting another shot at this thing. Um, I don't know how much inspiration he's going to provide for Houston Texans franchise, who seems uh, like they're just waiting to get their next quarterback so they can kind of start this thing all over again. But this is a win that the Chicago Bears must have, and this is a win that I believe the Chicago Bears will get. So Bears over the Texans, I think by at least a touchdown for all the people who've got them at that two-and-a-half number. Hopefully Justin Fields not only gets on track but builds that rapport that we saw last season at points with Darnell Mooney. Need to see a big game out of not only Darnell Mooney, but I want to see a big game out of Cole Komet as well. You know, I, I want to see – something out of what should be your second leading receiver on this team. So uh, offensively, hopefully they get on track. Defensively, hopefully they right the ship against a team that I don't think is going to be able to put up a lot of points. Uh, but all that being said, it'll probably be some kind of shootout where the Bears lose and I look like a dumbass. So um, I got the Bears by at least seven over this Texan squad, and hopefully uh, they get this offense back on track so we have something to talk about on Tuesday. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. 
When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Bears talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the kick is good for the win. Fade to black. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. What's happening, bro? How you feeling, man? Pretty good, man. How about you? I cannot complain, my man. I cannot complain. You are you are here to school us on everything that we do not know about these Houston Texans. You know, it's crazy. Uh, Jonathan Alexander from Houston Chronicle joining us. By the way, this, this is your first year on the beat? Yes, I started in July. Congratulations, my man. Congratulations. Where, where'd, you, uh, where'd you start off from to end up here? Yeah, so uh, before I was on the Texas beat, I was covering the Panthers for two years. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, a couple of, <laughs> couple of rough couple of years. Uh, covering them, but now nah, it, it was good. Uh, so I covered them for two years. I'm from Charlotte originally. Okay. Um, before, before that, I covered um, college sports, um, Carolina Tar Heels basketball and football, and I covered Duke basketball. Um, before that, and before that, I did a little bit of news. Um, okay. but uh, yeah, so this is my first time outside of outside of North Carolina. Oh, oh, that, uh, you know, I uh. Back in a, a former life, when I had, was freshly let go from 670 to score here in Chicago, I did the old, you know, who wants Jason tour. So I had to, I had to go out to Boston, and I, I actually did some stuff for WFNZ uh, in Charlotte. Okay. Uh, good. I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed myself. Had a chance to, to hang out with a couple ex-Panthers and all the people who made me feel really, really welcome. You know, they, they, they showed me the finest of fried pickles. You know, I got a chance, got a chance to hang out across the street from the stadium. I've never been to Houston outside of the airport. And it's always, yeah, it's always a place that I've wanted to, to go check out and hang out. Uh, probably a younger Jason probably would have done a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Houston <laughs> definitely for the single folks. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I am. Yeah. Uh, I have retired. My jersey has been retired. Uh, <laughs> but but let's let's get into this Texans thing because this is your first interaction with Lovey Smith, and of course, Lovey Smith is a top three coach in this Bears history, and I will I will argue that to the death. I mean, you got Papa Bear Hallis, of course. And you got Mike Dicker, who won a Super Bowl, and them for a sustainable long period of not just success, but actual relevant football. The last time we saw that was with Lovey Smith. Um, bounces around, heads to Illinois. Then all of a sudden, the Houston Texans situation uh, makes itself available through through a whole bunch of different uh, machinations. But what what is Lovey Smith trying to achieve with this program? Because obviously, with, uh, off the heels of the Deshaun Watson situation, a lot of people are looking at this thing like it's not only in rebuild mode, they're just trying to establish a culture and a future. So what, how has Lovey Smith um, come off or presented himself while in Houston uh, in your estimation? Yeah, the thing I, I probably respect most about Lovey is um, even though this isn't a, by any stretch of the imagination a, a, a really talented team or deep team, um, I think they uh, need to work on that definitely this offseason. He thinks they could win. And um, he's been, you know, every game, uh, you know, he's been steadfast on their their approach and 
and and how they're going to go about winning. He wants to turn this to a winning franchise. And uh, you saw they're competitive in these first couple of games. What they need to learn how to do is definitely finish. Um, but um, you know, you could tell by Lovey's demeanor how he's approaching the players. Uh, you know, everybody who talks about him talks about you know how much they respect him, how they quote unquote run through a wall for him. Um, I think he has everybody's ear. Uh, he has confidence of his players. Um, again, he just ha- they just have to learn how to win. I think there are a few kind of details that they have to fix, particularly I think the quarterback room definitely needs to be better. Um, they need more weapons on offense. I think the defense is young, but really good for a young defense. So, um, you know, I think the, the good thing about Lovey is, is they have faith in him and he's a, he's a coach who has experience knowing how to win. It's certain rookies who get lost in the sauce because they're on bad teams and they're not playing quarterback. So if you're if you're on a bad team and you're not playing quarterback, you have to really show out for you to get any notice or attention. Uh, a guy who I think could have went pro uh, after his freshman year at LSU and Derek Stingley Jr. is running around in the secondary for the Houston Texans. Had some injury concerns coming into this season. Um, how... Has he separated himself in terms of, okay, that's a dude right there, or is he still going through some of the the, the rookie uh, ebbs and flows? I think he, last week he, he went up against Cortland Sutton, and I think Sutton got the better of him. Um, at the same time, you could just kind of see some of the things that he's potentially capable of doing. Like his athleticism is just through the charts. Um, you know, that's something that you don't teach. Um, you know, he made a few mistakes in that, Denver game, but they were mistakes that even though they were costly, like a couple of pass interference calls, they were like the pass interference calls that you're kind of okay with. Like he was being aggressive. Like he wasn't, it wasn't like he got beat bad. And then, you know, like I was, you know, I, I was watching the Panthers highlights week one and, and I, I, nothing against CJ Henderson, but he had got beat bad and just tackled Amari Cooper and end zone. And like it, there wasn't the same type of interception. It was, you know, maybe being a little bit too. Uh, maybe being a little bit too handsy and they got the defense pass interference call. I think he's a he's going to be a really good player. You know, Lovey has uh, incredible faith in him. He said he's their number one and he's going to be their number one for a long time. I definitely think he has ability. Now, experience definitely will help him um, as he continues to progress and that's only going to make him better. Who are some of the other players on this team that you think will jump off the screen for Bears fans who are not aware of the Houston Texans? Like, who should we be on the lookout for as playmakers? Because, obviously, both these teams are bereft of talent, right? Like, these are two teams who will probably be picking in the top five, top six of the draft at the end of this year. So who are some of the standouts or some of the people that might be future standouts other than Derek Stingley Jr. on this roster? Yeah, I think on offense, the only guys right now are wide receiver Brandon Cooks. He's, um, I think, six 1,000-yard receiving seasons in the past seven years. Um, he's a really good player. Uh, Damian Pierce, rookie, running back, I think he has, he's a hard runner. I think he definitely has some ability. He's going to continue to get better. Um, um, I, but that's all on offense. I really think those are their only two weapons, uh, true weapons on offense. As far as defense goes, um, I think their defensive line is good as far as their pass rush goes. Uh, Jerry Hughes, 34 years old, but he's still doing it at his age. He's only missed one game since 2012, and that was because the Bills had wrapped up the playoffs. Um, Jonathan Grenard on the opposite end of him. 
Uh, and I like Jalen Petrie back there at safety. Uh, young kid, kind of like Stingley, doesn't have the athletic ability like Stingley, um, but he has a lot of promise there. So they got quite a few young guys with potential and one old guy, Jerry Hughes, who I think definitely can create matchup problems for the Bears' offensive line. And now you said this is your first year covering this team, so you obviously weren't there for the Deshaun Watson era, but the, the whatever the fallout has been, and, you know, the Cleveland Browns and their fans are dealing with it in some, some odd ways, to be honest with you, but they're having to deal with that situation now. Uh, what What's the tenor or the vibe around this team? Because you, you, you go into a draft, you think you get your franchise quarterback, you watch him take his lumps and, and bumps and bruises while still, you know, making his way up through the ranks and then it hits just like that. And all of a sudden he's a pariah and, and he has to go. And now your organization is thrown into a tailspin. Um, what's, what's left of the wreckage of the Deshaun Watson situation, if at all, in Houston right now? I know. I think that's a great question. I think because I, I, we've definitely asked that. Um, I think they feel like that they are, they've moved on from that. But finally, the fact that they've been able to trade away Deshaun Watson and, you know, the national conversation isn't on the Texans and Deshaun Watson anymore makes them feel like, you know, that's n- nothing they have to worry about anymore. So there hasn't been a word about uh, Deshaun Watson. Now, there will be week 13 when they see them. But I, I think that I-, I do think that that was weighing heavily on them all uh, last season. Uh, it definitely had an effect um, because the question was going to come up almost every week. Um, so now that they don't have to worry about that, they can move on and, and figure out where they go from here. And they were definitely, uh, you know, hurt by, uh, you know, you lose your top quarterback, you know, the player who kind of is, uh, you know, I don't want to say holding it together, but the player who yeah. um, <laughs> you, you form your team around, right? And you lose that and all of a sudden, you know, unexpectedly, you know, you, you try to pick up the pieces and I think they were kind of in a disarray last year and now they feel like, they feel like this is actually their first year of the rebuild, not last year. Now, I think that's how they kind of look at it. And uh, you can see some progress made from last year to this year. Yeah, in a couple of years' time to lose, you know, J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, and Deshaun Watson, uh, pillars of any franchise, nevertheless, one that's trying to find its footing, especially in a football-rich state like Texas. What kind of hold? do the Houston Texans not only have on Houston, but the state of Texas, if any, because I've always wondered, you know, obviously here in this city, we've got the Cubs and the Sox, Sox and Sox fans have always felt like second-class citizens, even though some of that has been kind of overstated and overplayed and, you know, to, to people's convenience at times um, with the Dallas Cowboys being the Dallas Cowboys. And of course the state of Texas being rich in football tradition, whether it be collegially and especially high school. Uh, what, where did the Houston Texans fall? in terms of the sports hierarchy, not only in Houston, but in the state of Texas? Yeah, I mean, of course the Cowboys are king in the state of Texas. Um, as far as Houston, it's, it's, it's interesting. And I, I could kind of uh, see some familiarity there from where I'm from. Um, you know, the, the Texans, uh, you know, first they Oilers and then the Oilers went to Tennessee, so they lost their team. Um, so, you know, some of that fan base kind of, you know, dissipates and then you get a team and they sell out for, I don't know how many years straight and, you know, talk of town and then they lose. And then, you know, some people aren't as interested anymore. Um, so 
I think uh, you know, just based off the people I talk to, Texans are a team that when they start winning, the fan base gravitates behind them. But when they're losing, they're kind of in the shadows waiting to come out when they start winning. Right now, the Astros are, are the top dogs in Houston right now because they're consistent winners. Um, but if, if the Texans were to start winning, which I think they're a couple of years away, I do think that they would be among the top definitely number one in Houston if they were winning and among the top teams in Texas. But, you know, you can't uh, – the, the Cowboys and the Texas Longhorns and even Texas A&M are always going to be king around here. Yeah, the Texas A&M thing is always interesting to me. It's like yeah. – it's kind, of, it's kind of like brothers going to, you know, Oxford, Mississippi. It's like, <laughs> how, how did y'all find y'all way to College <laughs> Station? Like, do you – <laughs> They're like, do you know what the background is and what happens there in Aggieland? But hey, that's, that's for Texans to figure yeah. out. I guess <laughs> exactly. I was wondering the same thing, man. <laughs> like, yeah. whoo! Just everybody in uniform. It's just yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's it's straight out of a a, a horror movie for me. It's but crazy. Hey, yeah. Knock yourself out if that's what you <laughs> need to do to get yourself to the NFL. Johnson, I appreciate your time, man. I know you're a busy man. Congratulations once again on the gig. Hopefully Thank this you. ain't the last time that we talk to you. And hopefully the Houston Texans in the next coming years, you know, put something on the field so people can mess around and catch your content the way they need to. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Anytime you need me, I'll let Yes, sir. Jonathan Alexander of the Houston Chronicle joining us right here on the Full Go Podcast. It's the Full Go This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Bulls Talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. And hey, dog. This <laughs> line's out there. Yeah. And that's where we can start the conversation because that's the exact sentiment. <laughs> hey, dog. <laughs> this Lonzo thing. You know... Bulls fans can't get nice things, man. We we can't we can't have anything that's fun, you know, entertaining, cool to be around for too long. It just can't happen. You know, it's the curse of Jalen Rose, I like to call it. No, I'm just playing. Shout out to shout out to Jalen Rose. Yeah, what a time when Jalen Rose showed up in Chicago. You know, I'll never forget being at Gibson Steakhouse, seeing a six eight black man walk in with a Peyton Manning jersey and a white Kango hat, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, Detroit, yeah. Detroit, <laughs> yeah, it, Detroit is in the building, no doubt about it." Shout out to Jalen Rose, man. I remember those 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 times, yeah, where he was 
did I ever tell you like how he used to show Tyson Chandler uh, Amari Stoudemire's box score every single game? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Tyson would come off of like a, you know like a rare double double right because Tyson was still trying to figure out life as a kid in the NBA and he'd come off like a you know a double double where he's feeling good about himself and then all of a sudden you just get uh, 23 and 17 tonight by the uh, man child out there in Phoenix <laughs> good game though <laughs> way to get 11 and 10 <laughs> yeah man those are the days those were the days we we can't have nice things. And if you're wondering why I'm saying that, because you, you've been living under a rock over the last two days or so, Lonzo Ball had debridement surgery in that knee that has uh, been bothering him now for the last eight months. It's been eight months. Eight. Like, when we heard four to six weeks back then, we were like, oh, okay, you know. End of the end of the season, you'll be back up to speed. We are now into another season, getting ready to start a season, and there is a four to six week reevaluation period after this debridement surgery. I don't, I don't want to do the whole doom and gloom, but this ain't good, and this is this is more than not good. Um, shout out to Io Desumu who I think should be and will be the starting point guard for this team this year until Lonzo Ball gets back and the offseason that apparently has been turning heads at every gym that he's been in and, you know, working out, getting that professional workout in now, his first real professional offseason. His body has changed, and hopefully that jump shot and his confidence and willingness to take that jump shot has changed as well. But Lonzo Ball changed this team at the beginning of last year. Uh, Lonzo Ball, if you really look at it, has been a a, a kind of a, a culture changer in each one of his drop-offs in these last five, six years that we've been viewing his basketball career. And the reason why I think it didn't work out in New Orleans so much so is that they pretty much gave the ball to Zion. It was like, hey, we got like kind of a point forward thing that we can run here in the half court offense, and we're not really going to need an up and down fast break point guard because anybody can throw lives to this dude. And of course, this injury history factors in as well. But you go back to UCLA. Like UCLA was in shambles when Lonzo Ball got there, and he changed the, the vibes and overall feeling of that program for the, the time that he was there because of what his game speaks to that he doesn't speak to. Lonzo Ball is a, a, a quiet, private dude, but his game is loud and his game is impactful. And the way that he changes teams' uh, approach defensively, especially, I mean, he's one of the better perimeter defenders in the game. And his, you know, his need to not have the basketball all the time, which sounds crazy, but as a point guard, pushing the ball up as much as he did early on in the season for the Bulls, it set the tempo for not only teams not being able to just lag and, and get back you know, half-heartedly, but it, it set the tempo for if you get out and run, we can get these buckets. And that changed the moment he went down. This team turned to a more isolation-based and more um, – 
I, I wouldn't even say half court based team, but the shot selection was different. Uh, the tempo was different. Uh, and of course, him being one of the few dudes who could knock down a three pointer with any kind of consistency. Like the reason why so much onus was put on Nikola Vucevic, Vucevic's uh, shooting woes was because he was one of the three guys who could knock down a three point shot. So when one of those guys is hurt and another one of those guys isn't hitting those shots, you get a team that per volume was taking the least amount of threes in the game, which is, you know, a formula for uh, a lack of success, especially if you're not a good rebounding team and you're not a good defensive team, which they weren't after Lonzo Ball got hurt. I'm not trying to make too much of this man's impact on the team, but I'm damn sure ain't going to make light of it. Like, this dude is one of the, I'd say, three most important players on this team. And you could throw DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine or one or two if you want. You could take one of those two out of the top three if you want. I'm not going to take Zach out of that joint. But what Lonzo Ball did and was supposed to do for this team is so important, especially because of what we saw before Lonzo got here at that point guard position. Now, of course, they they have developed Io DeSumo, and Io has developed himself in, in a short year, and now it's time for him to get paid, so I expect a big year out of him. But now Goran Dragic is a part of this equation, and he played his ass off in Eurobasket, so it seems like he's up to speed in some of the nagging injuries that he kind of fumbled around with the last couple of years have subsided, but you don't want to put too much on his plate in terms of minutes either you want to keep him as fresh as you possibly can for the playoff haul or the playoff run and then you get Alex Caruso because Alex Caruso was not only one of those culture changers last year but his impact on the floor was felt because he was running around with Lonzo Ball at times when those two were in the backcourt together there weren't many backcourts that were better defensively than those two dudes so now do you thrust him into a starting point guard position where you know the kind of physical game that his that that that, that he brings to the table and that his body sometimes can't withstand there's a lot of different a lot of different layers here with the the lack of Lonzo Ball. So to start this season on that note, and media day coming on Monday, this changes a whole bunch. This changes a whole lot for the Chicago Bulls this year. Um, and frankly, I don't know how enthused, I won't say enthused, but optimistic. I don't know how optimistic I am about when Lonzo Ball is going to get back. Um, when you start talking about these kinds of injuries and the impact and the wear and tear, um, you know, and I far be it for me to ever question anybody's pain tolerance. That's the other thing too. Like this ain't, this ain't like some, you're not a tough guy type of injury. Like this is, this is bone on bone situation coming up here soon for this young man. He's played a lot of basketball in his life. A a, ton. a A ton of it. <laughs> a ton of it, right? And this is what we see with you know some of these these younger dudes these days, where it's like there's a reason why these coaches lock these guys out of gyms and and, and make sure that they don't touch a basketball for a couple of weeks after the season because of the wear and tear of the modern day AAU kid. You know, I mean, we talk about Derrick Rose and I know, you know, I know people in this city still shell shock, still got PTSD from the Derrick Rose era. But, 
you know, Derrick Rose was on a couple of different AAU teams as a child. All right. He was playing anybody he could run up against in the city. Right. Him and Eric Gordon traveling here, there and everywhere to beat your ass. And then you look at him in eighth grade in the freshman year and sophomore year. He was wrapped up like a mummy then. Right. I mean, and muscles not getting a chance to properly grow because you're not playing other sports. All you're doing is hooping all the time. Like I say it all the time. Everybody isn't made for professional sports. And sometimes certain bodies give out. So I'm not saying that that's the case with Lonzo Ball here, but man, you know, we've seen the Brandon Roy situations. We've seen like and this is before, you know, this is before microfracture surgery was a real thing and, and, and platelet spinning and all this other stuff and going over to Germany to get your knee. Like when we start talking about certain steps that have to be taken, like when Kemba Walker had that that uh, procedure, I was like, oh, yeah, it's done. You, you know, it was the end of the Charlotte thing, the beginning of the Boston thing, the New York thing. Oh, yeah. It's only so long before that knee is going to bark at you so much that you can't move around the way you need to. And hell, I mean, you, we see what knees do to guys, not only with Derrick Rose of past, but recent vintage Zach Levine. Like Zach Levine was running around out there the last 20 games of the season dragging a knee around. And so much so, it wasn't just hurting him on the offensive end. Teams know when you're hurt. And, you know, Zach, Zach would say, hey, man, these, these teams are going at me. They know which way I can't lunge. So it's not just a, the, the fact that, that Lonzo Ball is having this knee surgery. It's what's going to be Lonzo Ball's fate after this surgery, after the evaluation period, getting up to speed. Okay, now I got to get back in basketball shape. By that time, what are we talking about? January? When, when everybody out there is going 100 miles an hour on the NBA freeway and you out here in training wheels? Like, it, it, it matters. All the, the, the timing of all of this stuff matters. So to go into media day on Monday with this kind of news and now looking around like, all right, this roster can't change because you're locked into these guaranteed deals across the board. You got 15 of those joints. So this roster is what it is. They're going to have to get better from within. And look, taking a look at the East right now. I mean, hell, I see J.J. Reddick's podcast and Ben Simmons looking real uh, hopeful out here. <laughs> like Ben Simmons is out here sounding like real refreshed and, and sounding like his um, the, the mental weight that has been on his shoulders has kind of been relieved a little bit. If Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are playing at a, a, a top-tier level, that's the second-best team in the Eastern Conference. I don't care who are the remaining pieces. Best team in the Eastern Conference, when healthy, has the best player in the NBA on it. And that's Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks. It's a team that's in your division, a team that you played. And, you you know, you get your little measuring stick series last year against, well, you found out that even without Chris Middleton, what a championship level team does to you at the end of series. They close you out. They suffocate you defensively. And somebody's got to step up. Grayson Allen shot the, shot the lights out of the ball. He played well, right? Like, these are the kinds of pieces that you have to develop on the road to becoming a contender and then eventually winning a championship. This team is still a viable entity in the Eastern Conference. So you got Milwaukee, you got Brooklyn, you got Philadelphia with Tony's guy, Joel Embiid, who is, if Giannis is the best player in the, in the league, Joel Embiid ain't far off. Joel Embiid, what, top four, top five in the entire league right now? Where would you go, Tony? I mean, are we going Jokic, are we going, are we going Embiid, are we going Giannis. Who else are we talking about here? 
I mean, there's there's not a bunch of guys that you're gonna put Steph, in front of those three you dudes. Put them in there. Right, right. So, and and this is this is tall timber that we're talking about, and these are all dudes who are going to be there right when the money is made at the end of the season in the Eastern Conference, and then you get into the Boston's of the world. Which, by the way, there are some wild situations that I have seen transpire, but very few like this Boston situation. And it feels messy and kind of weird and odd and creepy to even talk about it, but we wouldn't even be talking about it had the Boston Celtics not sabotaged their their own organization by leaking information to outlets before they even had even established whether they were going to suspend this man or not. And now you suspend Ime Udoka for a consensual relationship that he shouldn't have been having if it's by the the bylaws and the guidelines of your franchise, right? But I don't know what you think suspending Ime Udoka for a year is going to do other than usurp all of his authority in that locker room the moment he returns. Like, if I ever had a problem with Ime Udoka, you think for one second, the moment he comes back after a year's suspension, I'm going to be like, oh, by the way, I, th- there are no holes in your game. There, there, there isn't anything that I can say to you now because you're, you know, you're, you're clean as a whistle. This is a dude who is preaching professionalism coming out of that San Antonio Spurs organization. You think a couple of players who didn't get as much tick as they would like last year or just don't really jive with the coach like that aren't going to usurp his authority at every turn? You might as well just fire the man. And, and you know, on a personal level, uh, worst thing you could have done to that brother is told him to stay home for a year because uh, <laughs> if if – if the old lady is willing to stay, his life is about to be super hell. He's got like, the I don't know what old lady. Well, see, this is the thing. This is the thing that we need to stop doing out here. Okay? And this is with all due respect to everyone involved. <laughs> we got to stop doing that. Um, here. Is there any music that we can play? (laughs) We got to stop acting like there is, you know. I'll play some music over that. (laughs) Yeah. What are are we doing out here? Like, that's the part that always kind of you know, makes me kind of like, really? We, we still, we still thinking I like mean, that? If like, you saw the reaction on, on social media, it wasn't, oh, it wasn't, that was cool. yeah, it wasn't to the, it, whatever happened in Boston. It was, you did that to her? To Nia Long, right. Because we've all just loved Nia Long. She's never like been on the wrong side of some controversy. She's never, you know, and, and oh my God, like this in this era too, uh, where where DMing is as good as walking up to somebody and saying hello, like at, if I'm him, I, I, I'm 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 raiding your phone and changing your password to your Instagram and all your social media. Like I know I fucked up, but you know this is a measure that I have to take for our family <laughs> because you know Drake and 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 every football player you know with with less scruples than I like come on man like all they ask is don't embarrass me 
That's all they ask. That, like, if you've ever, if you've ever talked to a woman about cheating or being cheated upon, all they say is, "Hey, don't do it to me." And if you do, <laughs> just don't embarrass me. And Ime Yudoka was like, <laughs> "Hold my beer. <laughs> I'm I'm going to get Robert Sarver." off of the front page <laughs> like i'm going to get the racist owner in these days and times where this would have been like four days of coverage for cnn right <laughs> like like this would have been oh my god we got a uh, a racist old white dude oh my goodness this is gonna be fodder this is gonna be content we can think peace the hell out of this and then all of a sudden hey did we just stumble on something here did did the nba owners push the button huh did they, did, did they have this over young Emei's head for how long now and they're like hey uh we gotta get we gotta get old sarves out of the uh <laughs> out of the headlines here uh <laughs> we gotta sacrifice somebody who who, who, who can we sacrifice ah yeah <laughs> the, the uppity upstart who's coaching the uh <laughs> who's coaching the boston celtics how, how dare he coach the celtics in boston and think that he could do this <laughs> let's get rob let's get old rob off the uh the front page while we we give him three and a half billion dollars for his racist time. Let's let's get him off the front page and ruin this man's life. <laughs> now I know that's just that's just you know just making light of it. I don't want anybody out there. He ruined his own life. Like I got you, nerd. Calm down. It, it's gonna be okay. The the outright indignation though for other people's business that I have seen when it comes to this whole Boston situation, it is very, very interesting because I will say this. There are many a coach and many a manager in this city, in fact, that if these rules were in place, there would be many a season that wouldn't be completed. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. You guys could do the guesswork on your own, but come on, man. Like a year suspension. So we don't know what Boston is going to be, right? But I'd take Boston right now ahead of the Chicago Bulls. I think Jason Tatum is going to continue to ascend. Maybe not at the level that everybody, like we've been doing this whole Jason Tatum is going to be the best player in the Eastern Conference thing for like the last two or three years. And he's had his, you know, he's, he's had his bumps in the road, but he's a supreme talent and he's what, 6'10 now. So you can never count him out. And Jalen Brown, like upset Jalen Brown. We're going to get a chance to see how upset Jalen Brown fares after all the trade rumors this offseason and the Donovan Mitchell stuff. And speaking of Donovan Mitchell, Tony Gill's Cleveland Cavaliers are right there in the mix, right? Like, this team last year I thought would be anywhere from four to six. They ended up being six, right? Uh, this year. Hmm. This, this, this thing could go from anywhere from probably four to nine. Like, there's a chance things don't bounce right and guys keep sliding the wrong way on that old that old father time. Yeah. Like this. I'm already I'm already hearing uh you know in a very distinguished accent when Lonzo got hurt. Oh. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. You think? Hey man, I, I think that it, they're gonna bring it up. I, if this season goes into play-in mode where it's automatic four-game out, no matter what you're doing, if you win the play-in championship yeah, or whatever, right. 
in that post game in that postseason press conference when Lonzo got hurt it changed up everything mm. so I, I the way that this Lonzo ball injury affects the Bulls as well is I don't want people to ask more of Zach Levine than he is capable of giving like the max contract doesn't change who Zach Levine is at his core, which is a damn good player. Like, you know, an all NBA third team, second team type of performer, high side second team. Right. And that's, you know, top 10 player in the league. That's saying a lot. Uh, but efficiency wise, we've seen what he can be as a score. Like he doesn't need the, the volume, the, the number of shots to get 25 that he once needed in, in his younger days, whether it be at the end of his Minnesota run or when he finally arrived here in Chicago. We've seen that part of his game get refined and come out to, uh, you know, to to be as polished as anybody could have expected him to be. Now it's about taking that thing to the next level when it comes to not only the playmaking side of things, but especially the defensive side, because this team can't function the way that they function post all-star break for 82 games and expect to take any kind of step. They got to be a better defensive team. Signing Andre Drummond in the offseason to get that backup center position shored up, cool. Um, Ayo Desumu knowing, you know, having a book on not only the teams he's playing against, but having that experience against the toughest position damn near in all of sports, which is the point guard in the NBA, like that, that'll be a, hopefully a step forward defensively, uh, a healthy Alex Caruso. Um, but your money has to defend and, or has to give a better effort defensively. And DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic and Zach Levine, are your money and with Lonzo Ball out now Patrick Williams you know the 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 onus on okay we need a perimeter stop (laughs) and if a switch occurs you have to stay out there and guard a a one or guard a two or guard a three like it's a domino effect when a guy like Lonzo is hurt so I don't make I don't mean to make him out to be Isaiah Thomas and Gary Payton all wrapped in one but this Lonzo Ball injury uh, is the news that that Bulls fans, or I should say surgery, is the news that Bulls fans did not want to hear, don't want to realize, and I think, unfortunately, uh, will be the theme of this season. I, I think this is going to set the tone for this season in a way that we're going to find out really quickly what this Bulls team is or isn't, you know? Because it's one thing to kind of have that carrot on the stick where, all right, we, we can just hold down the fort until he gets back at the end of the year. When you're talking about 32 weeks later, after an injury you're supposed to take four to six, when you're talking about an extra 26 weeks on it and now having a reevaluation period in another month and a half, yeah, you got to act like daddy ain't ever coming home. You feel me? Yeah, you got that. All right, who the man of the house now, right? And I'm not saying that like in that. I'm not trying to infantilize the the, the Chicago Bulls players, but y'all know what I mean. Like, all right, Zach, you know, how much point guard or de facto point guard can you play? How much of a playmaker can you be now that the the offensive, um, you know, the, the responsibilities have have been raised a level because Lonzo Ball will be out. 
um, counting on a second-year player to run around with a bunch of veterans on a playoff contender. Like that's a different that's a different vibe than just being thrown in the water and told, okay, learn how to swim. Now it's all right. You, you in the hundred meter relay or hundred meter, you know, free swim, whatever the case may be. Can you medal? Like these are the questions that'll have to be answered because of this Lonzo Ball injury and Billy Donovan. Like Billy Donovan, that honeymoon is over, and I think he understands that as well. There, there are people that have looked at this team since that Lonzo Ball injury, and I think that's when some of that skepticism started to seep in of, okay, well, scheme up a defense without Lonzo Ball now. Try to hold teams under 112 points without Lonzo Ball. Now that you're going into this season without him starting the season, what do you have in mind? How can this team become a better defensive squad without their best defensive player, especially the guy at the point of attack? So, you know, for anybody who thinks that that too much is being made of this Lonzo Ball injury, I got to tell you, I think not enough is being made of it. Hogs Talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. The Blackhawks finished up their first day of training camp over at Fifth Third Bank Arena, and our Phil Thompson from the Chicago Tribune was there to cover it, as he will be covering this entire season. And, of course, he dropped in on us. Phil Thompson coming up next right here on the Full Go Podcast. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? How are you? I can't complain, man. You know, it's just a, a, another another week in Chicago sports, which means – there's been some bad news as of late. <laughs> I, I, was, I was thinking about it today, like, man, uh, these last, I don't know, dozen pods or so, I've come on here talking about something that isn't uh, so uh, pleasant when it comes to Chicago sports, whether it be the Sox and what's going on with that team this year and obviously how the Bulls might start this season without one of their best players. Uh, will start the season without one of their best players yes. in Lonzo Ball. And then – You've got the uh, the other inhabitants of uh, the Madhouse on Madison when it comes to the winter months, Chicago Blackhawks. And training camp started today as we're, we're taping on Thursday. Um, what should Blackhawks fans expect? I remember last year around this time where I had Seth Jones on and there was a lot of uh, – there's a lot of intrigue, a lot of fascination on what this team would be. And a, a year later, and one of the worst starts, if not the worst start in franchise history, uh, this thing just seems like it's it's going in a different direction now for sure. New coach, uh, new new outlook, and still a couple of the old stalwarts. How do, how do Blackhawks fans kind of figure this season out as they start to rebuild but still have some of the, the old remnants of Stanley Cup's past? Well, to me, there's there's zero intrigue. Uh, well, let me check. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Appreciate you, Phil. Thank thank you so much for joining us, <laughs> Phil Thompson, ladies exactly. and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, there there is there is, should be no intrigue in the standings right. by design. The only intrigue is uh, who will be on the team at puck drop uh, in the opener against the Avalanche versus who will be uh, on the roster after the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. That's your that's your intrigue right there. So from what I gathered in your piece in, in the Trib, uh, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane haven't been shy about talking about how they felt 
about the the stripping away of talent on this team, young talent, talent that they were running with at the time that they were counting on, not just for the future but in the present, and also being on this team after all the what were perceived as would trade demands, right? You, you got a 33, 34 year old guy. You don't you don't want to mess around <laughs> and sit here and rebuild uh, this point in your career. Um, how do how does the front office, how does the organization kind of mitigate, okay, we owe these guys something in terms of, you know, what they did for us this last decade or so, but also, you know, speaking their mind so much so that it, it, it kind of, you know, puts a damper on the, the overall mood of this, of, of the Blackhawks season going into it. Like, I don't, I don't know how you would, you know, best pay respect to guys, but also say, hey, by the way, we don't need y'all talking like this to get a season started if you're here or not. Jason, I think you asked the perfect question because here's the thing. I think uh, uh, that Kyle Davidson came in saying that we respect Kane and Taves, we honor Kane and Taves, but we're not beholden to Mm -hmm. Kane and Taves. You know, He's gotten carte blanche. He's gotten license from Danny Wirtz and, and the Wirtzes to do what he feels needs to be done. And in fact, I think he won the job based on this premise that he took the bold step of saying, we got to tear this thing down. We have to do it a certain way. We have to play a modern game. We need a modern roster. And it's going to be painful and it's going to be long, but it's going to pay off in the end. To that end, you know, we can't have any sacred cows. Mm. And, you know, they went through a rough patch where, you know, Taze was saying, hey, you know, I bet, you know, I never thought I would think about this, but I've I've thought about being on another team. You know, he said that in so many words, um, you know, last season, uh, you know, he said through various means that he wasn't happy with the Hegel trade or the Alex DeBrinket trade. Um, and, you know, you heard Kane say today that he wasn't a fan of it either. But here's what's interesting uh, that I didn't think I'd see Tave say uh, that he's, quote, come around after talking to Kyle Davidson. I think, uh, you know, with all a lot of the talk that happened today, that maybe that part uh, wasn't seized on as much as other quotes. But I thought it was significant. And, you know, to some extent, Kane said a lot of the same thing, that he's had some good talks. Um, you know, it was crushing to lose to Brinkett. But, you know, he's not thinking of leaving. So, I thought those two yeah. things were significant. Yeah. And and now, as they go forward, what do you think the odds are that they complete this season as Chicago Blackhawks players? Well, it's, you know, it's entirely – up to them that that's the thing you know uh you know right now if you take them at their word they haven't been talking about it with their agent uh pat person they haven't been talking about it with their relatives it's not something where they're feeling things out um you know i think they just want to play the game and i believe them when they say that they want to see how things go so they're they're going to start the season with the team but i i think if you read between the lines you know and and you know, I'm not, I can't read Patrick Kane's mind or Jonathan Tay's mind. They, mm-hmm. they would certainly call me out for trying. <laughs> but I think what they're, if you listen to the subtext of what they said, um, we're going to take a wait and see approach. Don't say that, you know, we're going to count anything out. In fact, uh, Tay said, 
you know, I'm not going to hype up anything and I'm not going to kill anything either. It was very important. So he's not ruling it out. Uh, so we'll see by the trade deadline if they if they have the patience and, and they, you know, the tolerance for what may come. I, I think they have to see how the season's going to unfold. You mentioned a more modern look, right? Kyle Davidson and Luke Richardson, the new head coach, have in, envisioned a, a younger, faster team. Uh, when we say modern NHL hockey, what does that truly mean as opposed to the style that the Blackhawks were playing at the end of this run? Well, you know, having talked to Norm McIver, you know, uh, he, he really didn't want to throw Bowman under the bus and, and I invited it. Please, please don't, you know, feel free to, you know, you don't owe, like, after everything that's transpired in the last year, you, yeah. you don't owe anybody anything. But Norm, you know, Norm was trying to be diplomatic. But what he said is that, you know, uh, the Hawks had kind of a finesse game, you know, that you know, had kind of smallish players. They didn't play particularly physical. And, you know, a lot of the people on their roster uh, weren't particularly fast, you know, mm. outside of the Brinkett Kane, you know. Uh, you know, you had some skills. But, you know, what they had wasn't particularly overwhelming. They they didn't have abundance of, of anything, really. So that they had to kind of modernize their game. They need um, fast defensemen that, that can join in on the rush. You know, they can be offensive players and which is why they went all in for Kaczynski because, you know, they want him to be uh, their version of Kale McCarr uh, mm. that helped lift, uh, you know, the Stanley Cup in Denver. Mm -hmm. So if you look at who they're getting, you know, Kaczynski, Nazar, they have high mortar guys like Paul Litwinski and, and uh, Samuel F Savoy, who's kind of been a little bit of a pit bull. Um, you know, they're they're bringing in, you know, kind of tough players like a Max Domi, you know, who knows how long he's going to be staying around, right. you know, Sam Lafferty, too. You know, they got him for a couple of years. But um, the idea is that they want high motor. They want speed. They want pace. And, and that's what they're going to play with offensively and defensively. You know, uh, Richardson talked about sound defensive structure it was very notable and it was kind of uh Foreign to Kane, they just started off their drills with defensive coverages. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not used to that. Uh, got the sense that he might not even really particularly like that, but they're going to get to the offense. But I think it sends a message. We're going to take care of our structure first, and we're going to build out the offense from our defense. So this team and this organization has kind of had to – um, distance itself and rinse itself of, you know, things that they've overseen that, frankly, the sports world has taken a look at, not just hockey. Um, you know, we, you know, it's been detailed what has happened around this organization, especially what's unfolded. Uh, and, you know, you and, and Mark Lazarus and all the people at the town hall meeting that questioned this this team so famously so. And, and I commend you guys and, and especially you, Phil, for uh, asking the questions that always need to be asked, no matter if they're comfortable or not. Um, what kind of what kind of. I guess soul searching had to be done and still has to be done when it comes to what this organization wants to represent and what has transpired over the last half a decade or so. 
Well, I, I think what you're seeing is, you know, just kind of a, a changing of the guard. Uh, the soul searching is come through the form of turnover. You know, uh, I, I think a lot of people never got the opportunity within an organization to uh, to to have this come to Jesus moment. They were mm-hmm. just out. Either uh, they saw the writing in the wall and they left of their own volition or, you know, they were shown the door. So, uh, you know, you might say that, hey, there's some holdover players or some holdover uh, front office people. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, I've heard some fans say that they, they should have been out too, should have been a clean sweep. But uh, I think the message has has been clear. And, you know, more so than that, they've also kind of changed the structure or the organization. They put in an infrastructure for, for mental health. And I've heard players talk about, you know, how uh, they find that very helpful. I've even heard some of the coaches said that, you know, they've taken use of that. So, you know, they have this uh, foundation uh, to, to kind of lean on this. You know, they've in- integrated uh, th- this kind of uh, support system. That's the word I'm looking for. They've right. integrated the support system uh, for anyone within the organization to use. Uh, and they have a whole department uh, now that's dedicated to this. So, you know, I think time will tell. Right. Uh, you know, and the players will tell if this is useful and, and meaningful and they and they really stand by it. But so far, I've, you know, even unprompted, I've heard players bring this up. Well, it means it's it's um, resonating, at least. So, yes, it's yes, it's, it's at least a start. It's at least a start. Um, Phil, you do a great job, as always, covering whatever you cover, but especially on this Blackhawks <laughs> beat. Uh, as of late, man, uh, always love reading your stuff. Always love hearing you ask questions in the post game presses or when you start stuff in town hall meetings, man. I, uh, I, I am, uh, I'm happy to know you, and I, and I appreciate the, the the work that you do. And I still, I got to get out to some of these NABJ Chicago chapter situations because all I see the events, and then you know you and B Pope and the, and the crew uh, holding it down for the best chapter in the entire nation. So. That's I'm, right. Best I'm, chapter, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Something to be proud of. Yeah, yes. Something to be Thanks proud Thanks for that shout out for them, too. Oh, yeah. No doubt, man. No doubt. You guys uh, you guys are always inspiring me. Every time I get a chance to, to drop in on y'all or check in, uh, I see the work that you're doing, not only uh, with, with your gig, but also in the community of journalists that we have in this city who uh, need need that support, need that network. So thank you, man, for everything that you do. Oh, uh, it's truly appreciated. Well. No, thank you, and, and and thanks for having me on as well, man. Uh, you know, I always like to chop it up with you. Hey, anytime, man, anytime. It's about to get cold out here, so uh, I'll see you around, <laughs> whether it be the UC or the city, man. I appreciate your time. Oh, same here. Same here. Phil Thompson from the Chicago Tribune covering the Blackhawks like a blanket right here on the Full Go Podcast. The Full Go with Jason Goff. All right, that's all the time we have for episode 154 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. want to thank our guest, of course, Houston Chronicles' very own Jonathan Alexander gave us the lowdown on the Texans, and our Phil Thompson from the Chicago Tribune keeping us up to date on what's going on with the Chicago Blackhawks this season as training camp starts off. We will be back with you on Tuesday to talk about – hold on, three, two, one. 
We will be back with you Sunday night as we wrap up Houston Texans versus the Chicago Bears and the return of Lovey Smith. Hopefully the Bears get a win. And, of course, you can keep that voicemail line right there for you close because whatever the case may be, we want to hear your uncensored, unfiltered, unadulterated thoughts. 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. We want to thank our production staff, as always, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, the inactive Jesse Lopez, because he's being active on the old John Yastrzemski New York, New York podcast. He's done slumming it with us here on the full go, apparently, for one night. And, of course, my main man, Tony Gill. For the fellas, I am Jason Goff. Thank you so much for downloading this thing, for subscribing to this thing, for sharing it for rating and reviewing it we appreciate whatever you do and everything you do for this pod we will talk to you on sunday night after bears texans after another week of nfl football we'll gather here right here same place same time you already know what it is it's the full go podcast and as always we leave you with this take care of each other and be safe